All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm your host for the show, and I'm also one of the pastors at Life Church. And today you're going to be hearing an episode of Table Talk Thursday, and I'll get into that in just a second. But first, I want to let you know that it's always important to subscribe to this podcast if you think it's been meaningful to you. We keep on sharing more content, some stuff from Table Talk Thursday. We share some of our sermons, and eventually we're going to start sharing some more information, more content along the way. I also want to ask you to prayerfully consider giving to Life Church Canton. Uh, I consider it an honor to be part of the work that we get to do. Uh, this coming Sunday is August 30, and we are going to be celebrating what we call New Life Sunday. That's where we get to baptize some people, and we get to hear their stories. We get to hear how God has been moving in their lives. And one of the cool things is there's actually somebody driving in from Syracuse, New York. Uh, he's been watching online. He's been paying attention to uh, some of our digital content, and he wants to get baptized, and he wants to do it in person uh, this coming Sunday. So that's going to be really exciting. Lastly, I want you to go to lifechurchcanton.org slash reopen because we are making plans to get together again in person on September 6th. Uh, I'd love to share more about that, but for now, here is Table Talk Thursday. All right, everybody. Welcome to Table Talk Thursdays. Um, we are here. <laughs> we are here. Uh, let me see. Let me make sure I cut this off. Okay, good. So we are here with uh, some wonderful folks. But as you know, Table Talk Thursdays, all questions are welcomed. Questions about the most recent sermons, any questions about life in general, and questions are doing by Tuesday evening. Uh, questions should be received if if they are received by Tuesday evening. They'll we the hope is that we'll get them on the show, the next show. Otherwise, we'll keep it in queue for the uh, shows that are coming up. Also, want to make some um, sort of announcements and reminders. First, want to remind us to continue to pray for our nation, our world, our church, um, and then uh, I want to sort of pivot to uh, either Pastor Nathan or Pastor Jared. You guys have any announcements that uh, we need to make? I know there's a few. Oh yeah, yeah. Announcements-wise, uh, I would encourage everybody to share a New Life Weekend, go above and beyond to invite people to come. That's this Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15. If you're comfortable, we'll be doing it live. If you'd like to stay in your car and you get there a little early, you'll be able to have access to an FM transmitter and stay in your car, or you can go and bring your own chair uh, and hang out. If not, um, and you want to stay home, it's still something amazing to share with people. The stories of new life are incredible, and you won't want to miss it. So you need to make some time this weekend to do that. And then um, that, that's just a, a wonderful example of bookending kind of the pandemic with some baptisms. And then Jared, uh, he can share a little bit about what's going to happen the very next week. Yeah, I can share. And also just based on everything that Nathan just said, uh, for those of you who haven't checked your email yet, check your email because there's tons of details about New Life Weekend. And then at the bottom, there's a really exciting announcement about us getting back together on September 6th and, uh, and reopening. And we actually dedicated a whole webpage to it within our, uh, within our site. Um, that's all about reopening and has all of the details. So if you have any questions about that, we tried to cover literally everything that we could uh, think of. So our team's been working really hard. I'm just, I'm really proud to be part of a staff that like everybody's thinking of everything. And so it's been, it's been cool to have us uh, be working together and 
uh, sharpening each other. And um, we might miss some things along the way and then we'll adjust and we'll fix it and we'll, we'll keep moving forward. But we're very excited to start getting back together in person uh, slowly but surely and, um, and being the body of Christ together. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just been a joy to see how all the brains have come together to make this thing work. So we are super excited about that. I uh, do have a bit of a uh, unique announcement. Uh, we are going to be winding down on Table Talk Thursdays in the next few sessions. Uh, so um, we are, we thank, we're thankful for the time that we've been able to share together and we will be talking more about what that might look like in the future. Maybe that's um, uh, sort of once a month or whatever, but we will keep you informed on how that goes. But uh, we still have a couple more shows together, folks. So let's let's have fun together. Let's get to know each other as we've been. Um, so awesome. I am here with uh, the pastors and a handsome, rugged young man that you may know or not know, and we will introduce him soon. But um, Pastor Jared, how are you today? Let's do some check-ins. Yeah, so um, I'm wearing my island shirt, which Nathan made fun of me before we got started in the show. <laughs> but he'll have to show you his shorts as well, and uh, and then or not, or don't actually don't. Or not. Yeah. Uh, or not. It's, then, it's Zoom. I, I I didn't plan for showing you my shorts. That's true. There, and, Jared. <laughs> and then our special guest has jorts, uh, which is even more fun. Um, anyway, doing okay. Uh, this is the time of the year. Uh, for ragweed allergies. And um, mm -hmm. so I've got my tissues here just in case. If my eyes look like I'm watering, uh, like they're watering, it's not because I'm getting emotional. Oh my goodness. Look at yeah, you. I'm ready, brother. I'm ready. Wow. So for those that are going to listen later on the podcast, Daniel um, is ready for the ragweed apocalypse, apparently. Absolutely. Fresh and, box uh, of Kleenex and some yeah. good old gel eye uh, refresher. Goodness. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. that's never fun, but it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. And then uh, my son's birthday, he's turning 10 tomorrow. So we're going we're gonna to celebrate his birthday and uh, that's going to be fun. So we're doing okay. Happy birthday to him. Yeah. That's cool. 10 years, brother. That's your oldest? That's our oldest, yep. And then our girls years, just man. turned eight in July, so. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. You are a veteran at this parenting thing, brother. Sure, sure. <laughs> How are you, Pastor Nathan? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I, I suffer from allergies all year. I have at least one or two for each season, which is just the worst. But I do notice this season is really, really difficult. Um, I'm grateful for the rain that's coming um, today uh, and maybe tomorrow. We do have some jam-packed things going on at the campus this weekend with some of our other churches being involved. So I'm just, I'm excited. I can't wait for Sunday, um, but I get cool things to look forward to every single day of the week. Kids are doing good. We're trying to make final plans for what uh, online school looks like, and that's difficult. I mean, Richard and I were talking on Tuesday night, and he thought he'd be te teaching on Monday, but uh, they delayed it, and he didn't even have a class schedule at that point. So I know the teachers are just as in the dark as we are, um, which gives me no comfort whatsoever about how we're going to do this. But, you know, we'll figure it out together. And uh, we've been blessed. God's taking care of us. Um, I'm loving every minute I can of the weather. And um, I'm hopeful. I feel like we're trying to leave uh, a season behind, although it won't be uh, purely behind, but something new is coming up. So I'm excited for that. I'm still mourning the loss of watching football, though. But we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that football part. You know, I don't have a dog in that fight. Uh, but I am, uh, for me personally, I'm doing well. Um, I am super excited about Sunday. Um, it's just a joy to see um, to see us even move towards some sense of coming back together. And then, of course, the subsequent week, we're going to be together um, and socially distance and all that good stuff that we're going to observe. But it's just a joy to see that. And I think that's exciting. And I'm super excited to what God is, has done and that we will get to see on on Sunday. So uh, personally, I am thankful for the, the fact that last Apparently last winter was a mild winter and I am praying that lightning strikes twice and that this winter would be yet another mild winter. Um, my hope uh, that uh, you brother can wear those shorts all year long coming soon, <laughs> but we never know. So I'm excited uh, for this new season. Well, we are joined here with Richard Chris, AKA uncle Rico. Hello. AKA Boogaloo Shorts. Um, I don't know. I just made that up. Uh, but we are happy to see you, brother. Um, how are you doing this season? How is your 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 pre-COVID, COVID, and post-COVID? How how is that going? How are you doing this unique season? I'm doing great. Um, I the biggest change, obviously, is just with being a school teacher, being teaching online, and trying to figure that out, and still trying to uh, reopen. You know. Um, with students and what that looks like using new technology and new platforms, um, having to populate classes with virtual parents who want to do hybrid parents who are ready to come back. And so there's all across the spectrum, all these different needs. And so, you know, I don't know what it'll look like. Some people estimate that we will not go back to live teaching, uh, this year at all. I don't know. Mm. I'll just wait and see on that, but I'm doing well. Good. Good family well. Yeah, the family as well. Um, we have a friend that lives with us and during COVID, she uh, gave birth to a little baby girl who's two months old. So that'd be a big change to our household, learning how to navigate that. And another person in our household, my household does have, for those who don't know, uh, I live with my parents. So there's the two of them, Doug and Deborah, my wife, Rachel, my son, Harrison, our friend, Ashley, and her daughter, uh, Charlie. So, and her dog. Okay. So we have a full house. Uh, there's no isolation. There's no being alone. Um, kicked everybody out of the garage is the best place I can find to have a, a quiet space, but there's a way to do this. So are you an intro or extrovert? Uh, I like being around people, but I also, uh, because of my personality, um, I, I prefer people to just to be happy with whatever I want to do and, and <laughs> glad that I'm doing it. Uh, and not telling me what to do or disappointed that I'm not doing what they want me to do. That sounds like so, introvert to me. Is that a person? That doesn't sound like a personality thing. That sounds, no, that's, sounds like no, it doesn't, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but but I, I, I feel you. I feel you. I do. Well, I think he said what everybody's feeling and don't want to say, but you said it. Right. Because I want to be honest. Uh, I don't want to lie about who I am. So, uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's, you know, if you buy into the, uh, the voodoo of Enneagram, which I've been uh, inundated with my uh, voodoo? life. Oh my goodness. I, uh, you know, as an eight, my biggest fear would be being controlled. So people telling me they don't like what I'm doing would be a, a factor of my personality being challenged. And I don't like being challenged either since that's my role as a challenger as an eight. So yeah, um, I'll be around people as long as they love what I'm doing. Sounds like you bought into <laughs> that voodoo well, brother. <laughs> I can speak the language, you know, I got to be everything to all men, just like Paul. Richard, I got a question for you. Um, obviously, this season has gone longer than anybody had anticipated, and it's been easy 
in our isolation to identify all of the, the bad things, all of the things that have gone wrong. Um, for you, what have been some things that have been good, that have been a blessing to you? Um, you know, starting my workday a little bit later during the uh, spring, uh, starting in March, um, with my classes, I could sort of like pick when I was going to meet with my classes and consolidate some of those times. Uh, and then throughout obviously the summer, I'm able to have a, a longer quiet time in the morning. So I can get more of my Bible reading in, my Bible plan, add some more Bible plans together, um, do more praying, journaling, that kind of stuff in the morning. So I've extended my uh, quiet time, which is uh, always a blessing in the summertime for me or on the weekends when I'm, when I'm home. So yeah, that's been really good. That's awesome. Well, uh, it's good to take advantage of what you have in front of you. I know you're going to get busy here real soon. Um, but tell us about what you do here, what you've done here at Life Church Canton, and what are your passions or hopes are, the ministry and departments that are under your church. Uh, what, what do you do here? What have you done? What gets you excited about what you do? Um, the gospel is what gets me excited for the glory of God. That's what uh, lights a fire in me. Uh, August this uh, this August was my tenth year at Life Church uh, Canton. Um, my wife and I decided we need to make a change. We had visited on uh, the the uh, Easter before this August uh, ten years ago, and we decided we went to church. We wanted to come here, and we lived right up the road at the time, and so we started coming here, and that was uh, good for us. It was really hard, a lot of a lot of uh, healing to do in our marriage and our life, and our choices, uh, surrendering everything to uh, Christ as Lord and letting him take us uh, wherever he decided to take us. And that's why uh, we live with my uh, family um, to help take care of them. Um, at Life Church, I got involved in a first serve of helping with a class called Starting Point. I did that for years with Mike Rice and some other people who had served along with me. And little by little, as his responsibility got busier and as people left the church, I was the only person in charge of teaching Starting Point. And so that was a challenge. Um, when I finally got sick and I couldn't do it. Do you guys hear a helicopter? No, Which brother, I think that's just in your head, brother. I think okay. that's no, I heard, I heard. I didn't hear anything. They're, they're no, coming for me. They're coming for me. I'm in witness protection. That's why I shaved. Um, <laughs> no, the, uh, <laughs> so that was a really great blessing, you know, and one of the, one of the challenges was in week one, we would walk through the gospel because people would fill out commitment cards and the question is what does it mean to make a commitment to christ and then i finally was just sort of like sort of like why is that not coming from the stage why don't people know what a commitment to christ means and why am i having to unpack it for every class that comes through starting point and so that's why the gospel is a passion for me and having that clearly stated uh that our sins have been covered and that we are in united uh, united with christ um is a is a huge is a huge thing for our identity and for our uh any success we hope to have in growing to be uh come like christ is knowing that our, our union is with christ and that assurance is final and forever and so i enjoyed teaching uh, starting point to get to impact the gospel every time we did that i love doing that um and since then i helped out with life journey uh when we transitioned starting point into the encounter course and i've taught us several of those a couple of those um two or three of those classes help with curriculum stuff and in uh, January, I was elected to a uh, leadership team with the church. And so before that, I was on the nominating team that nominates leadership. And so this is my first year on the leadership team for a three-year term. Um, and that's my, I guess, official leadership team member title in terms of like life church, what they care about. But I'm just really passionate about uh, the gospel being proclaimed 
and about glory being given to God uh, in all things that our church does. And so I'm really concerned with the spiritual health of the spiritual, emotional, physical health of my pastors, because they're the ones who are guiding and leading our church. And then for the staff that, that they oversee and that they direct in the daily operations of our church, and that they're not getting burned out through regular uh, pre-COVID or during COVID. I mean, there's different challenges in both sides of that. And I'm, I'm definitely concerned with that. And I want to grow the spiritual maturity of Christians in our church. Um, I want to grow a passion and a hunger for the Bible, for the word of God. I love Psalms 119. Um, I remember, so in 2010, when I, um, when, when God rescued me from my life of uh, being a, I don't, I don't know what language to use on this, okay? Uh, being a bad man, all right, uh, in a lot of ways, an unredeemed, if you, if you, if you find Richard uh, challenging today, be grateful you didn't know him before 2010. Uh, when I see a student who graduated before 2010, I apologize for the first thing I do, because uh, I'm sure I've done something horrible to them. And, uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's another case. So I started reading my Bible. Uh, I started reading it daily. So if you think over uh, 10 years, I've read my Bible uh, daily for 10 years, and that's become a huge change in my life. And then in my free time, investing in uh, sermons or books from uh, preachers and theologians throughout history, uh, whether it's someone old and ancient like John Owen, which I love, um, or whether it's someone new and, and whether it was, uh, uh, who's the guy at Menlo Park Church, um, John Ortberg, or listening to Matt Chandler, or other voices like Tim Keller, things like that. Just listening to modern preachers, listening to ancient preachers uh, was really helpful to my soul, not just relying on the Sunday morning experience to be what fed me. Yeah. And um, yeah. a few years in, a few years into that, I started reading my, I realized I was like, oh, what book haven't I read? Maybe I finished Romans, or maybe I finished Ephesians, and be like, all right, what am I going to read next? And I'm like, what, what, what minor prophets haven't I read? And I realized there's probably a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, I, I poo-pooed on this the first time I heard about it, about people reading the Bible in a year. And I decided, you know what? You just need to start from the beginning. And so probably around 2012, I've made it a habit to read through the Bible, um, whether it takes me six months or 12 months, or, or I've done it in a month one time when I eliminated all other sources of entertainment and media before I had a kid. Um, yeah, I've made it my daily dose. And so the question I would ask in the starting point every every time I do the Bible is what's something you do in your life that you can give up just 12 minutes of, not get rid of it completely, or just 12 minutes less that you could do. Maybe 12 minutes less of Facebook, YouTube, social media, video games, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, and I said, all right, now here's the thing. In 12 minutes a day, you can read the entire Bible in one year. Imagine what good that would do your soul. And then if you imagine you did it for a decade, two decades, three decades, how much that would transform you, because that's what really transforms us is the word of God. That is power. It's alive and active and living in us. And it gets into us. And I think it's very vital for any Christian's health and mandatory that they read the Bible. Um, it doesn't make you safe because you read the Bible more than others, but the Christian life uh, has to be fed through the spirit. And he's going to do that through the word. And if we're not people of the word, not in the word, uh, we're going to have a hard time overcoming those sins we want to get rid of. Uh, we're going to have a hard time recognizing things that aren't good in our life that we need to get rid of. Um, I don't believe the Christian life is a life uh, free of suffering or trial at all. Uh, Jesus says the opposite. You're going to face many troubles. And so when people think the Christian life is about getting your best life now, that's not, that's not biblical. You know? And if that's the gospel some churches preach, then that's obviously a heresy, and I, I'm worried about that. And so I, as a Christian today and a leadership team, I'm concerned like I was before. I'm concerned now about the spiritual health of my congregation and my pastors. Um, 
and that, that drives me and consumes me. And sometimes I'm comforted by the sovereignty of God. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by the fallenness of man and myself and everybody else around me. And then I fall back and remember who God is. And the Psalms have been a great thing during the, all the time. I always had the Psalms, but they're great during the, um, during this COVID pandemic time and all that stuff. The Psalms are highly recommended. Amen. Well, good. Well, it sounds like you don't have anything going on, brother, and you're not even invested <laughs> in this church at all. Um, and <laughs> I'm, I'm invested in the kingdom, man. Yes, uh, yes you are. I, you know, I, yeah, my, yeah. my father had a stroke, and so we prayed about what to do because we were taking turns uh, with my siblings and some other family members extended to take care of my family. When we had the, uh, when we had the opportunity, my mom was still working. And uh, Rachel and I prayed about it before my son was born. Like, you know what? We could just move in. You're going to stay at home after Harrison's born. Let's pray about it. Let's talk to them. And so we've had this blended family since my son was born in 13. So uh, April 2014, you know, living with my parents to help take care of them, run the house, shop, live life together, struggle through that. And that's a challenge. Um, but that's what I see the gospel calling us to do is to help those who are uh, disabled, help those who are family, you know, honor your mother and father in that way. Uh, and that's a that's a huge calling. And then bringing in a friend uh, who went through a difficult divorce, her family disowned her. She has no one else to turn to, you know, it costs all of her resources. She had to go through emotional pain and healing. Mm. Uh, and then to find herself uh, a few years later, uh, expecting a, a child and she has no family to turn to and no one else to rely on. There's no man in her life. And so we're just trying to extend that now to orphans and widows and to live out what the gospel message is uh, for those who are less fortunate. Um, and I, I think that's good, man, because I think you, you say something that I think a lot of people tend to see as extra gospel or outside of the gospel, the sort of caring for those who are in need. And I think that's super exciting that you continue to couch that back into the gospel. So, you know, as a, as a fellow, um, uh, well, I won't say reformed nerd, but as a, I, I noticed a shirt that you have there, brother, is that, is that Simul Eustace et Peccator? Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. We we'll go. talk a little bit about that a little later. Uh, but, uh, but so the question I have for you is, you know, as we talk about this season, what, if any, challenges have you had in ministry, uh, particularly as you've been on a leadership team? Uh, you don't have to necessarily get into specific, but how have you coped with that? I think it's helpful for our audience to just kind of learn uh, from each other, uh, not just because we are in leadership in any capacity that we know it, but we are human beings on this journey together. And I think it's helpful for people to sometimes hear how we've coped with, dealt with uh, hard times and challenges, especially in this season. But in ministry, at work, whatever you do, or even in personal life, how have you, and you've shared some challenges, but how have you coped with it? I know one of those is reading the Bible uh, and studying and being couched in the gospel. Any, and I don't want to say practical as though the Bible isn't practical, but any practical things that you've, any practical ways that you've actually implemented the truth of the gospel. Well, um, the reason why we need to hear the gospel, even after we are uh, recipients of the gospel uh, grace, is because we need to be reminded constantly of how much grace is being shown to us, that we are simultaneously sinners and justified, and that uh, my response towards others, whether they're outside the church, or whether, especially if they're in my church, I mean, um, more times than not, we're, we're uh, extolled by the, by, the, by the word to love one another in the church. Uh, and so what does that look like being on a leadership team or being a, a partner at church or being a, a tender of the church? It means I love with grace the people in the church who are different than me. Just like when I teach, um, you know, American government, I talk about freedom of speech isn't protecting speech you agree with. It's protecting speech you hate. And so loving one another, it's easy to love those who agree with me. 
it's hard to love those who challenge me or disagree with me or who see things differently than me. And so it's a reminder of the gospel. That's why you need to constantly reflect on the gospel daily is that I've been shown so much grace, grace upon grace, day after day, new mercies every morning that I need to have the same humility and grace towards those Christians around me who don't necessarily have the same theological leanings as I have or aren't as mature as I am spiritually. Um, I know I, I do not look down on those who are uh, gripped with fear um, right now. Uh, those years spent in the Bible, not knowing why I'm reading the Old Testament prophets, people are like, why would you read the Old Testament? Why do you, why do you love reading Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Exodus, you know, those things? Um, because God has planted that word in me and he's transformed me. So the practicality of reading your Bible daily, the whole, the whole Bible, not just parts of it, is that you don't know when that's going to come out and when you're going to need that resource and when it's going to all of a sudden come alive. It could be something you hear someone else struggling with and you just read about it in, a, in there, or it's something you know because you've read it multiple times year after year. And um, so having that practice of humility for those around me, trying to remember to have grace. Um, my personality is, is aggressive and can be antagonistic and uh, being quick-witted means I can, I can cut people down and I don't want to be that person. I know that's not who God's called me to be, but he's given me those same gifts to use and to see things and to speak up when I need to. And, um, and defend those around me and support my, my pastors and my church. Um, I believe that one of the benefits and blessings I've had is that I've, I submitted to my, my pastors and their authority to lead and guide and shepherd me. And why I have that confidence is because before they got here, I was praying for their arrival. And when they got here, I started praying for them by name. And I continue to pray for them that I have wisdom and direction from God. So I have complete, uh, complete trust in God's sovereignty that the spirit of God that has saved me and rescued me is working in the pastors of my church, working in the leadership of my church and the congregation of my church. And so I have not had fear over this time period, uh, whether it was with the leaving of our lead pastor, Pastor Alex, or the leaving of uh, Mike and Dan or other, other people in the staff or moved on to other positions. None of that has disrupted my, my feeling in my heart. I've been secure and joyful because I know that God is sovereign and that this church is his, and that Life Church doesn't save anybody. Uh, the preaching of the gospel by you guys doesn't save anybody. It's the Holy Spirit who uses those tools as, the, as he sees fit to do, that does that. And so I'm completely confident whether we're ending a Saturday service or we're changing service times. Um, these aren't outside of scripture. They aren't things to be upset about biblically. We could have disagreements on them, but in the end, my job as a congregant, partner, or as a leadership team member is to support my my teaching team, my executive team, and implementing the vision that God's been giving them. And the more I pray for them, the more I see that I hear things like, listening to what Nathan said about you guys working together on your position papers. That was a blessing to me. I didn't say anything in the meeting, but it was something I've been praying for, that you guys would be working together well, that you'd be trusting one another, learning from one another in humility and grace towards one another, because there's going to be some, maybe some friction where you guys see things a little bit differently theologically. And so I just keep praying that the scripture would guide your thoughts and your conversations. And then he tells me that's happened. He doesn't know he's telling you that, but it's a blessing to the continuing prayer life that I have. And so I just can't urge Christians enough uh, to not take advantage of these, these common graces God's given us of scripture reading, of uh, prayer, of community, of being part of a church, of serving in your church. Uh, those things have lasting fruit and you don't see it, but it's there and it comes out when you need it, when God wants to use it. Uh, and we can't measure fruitfulness by the size of a church. I was talking with uh, Daniel the other day just about like Jeremiah. I spent 40 years preaching a message that no one listened to. But what's happened since that time, millions of people have been blessed by his story and have read Jeremiah over and over again for centuries. And it's a blessing to the church today that we didn't see 
in all of his time. He didn't get to see that. It was just hardship after hardship for him. Um, and not knowing your Old Testament, you wouldn't have that to point to as a, a victory of God, but God did that. Um, and so that's another reason why you need to have the scripture in you. Yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11 is the most, um, the most memorized scripture in all the world. And most misunderstood. And, uh, also, yes, it is. But it's interesting. <laughs> Behold, I know the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And when you couch it in Jeremiah's apparent lack of, of, of effectiveness as a worldly standard, um, you could say, well, that's not true. <laughs> or you can understand the greater scope of scripture and go from there. But yeah, thanks for sharing that, um, Richard. I just wanted to commend you for how well you're actually leading the church by example, um, by saying, hey, we got to live the gospel. We got to know the gospel. We got to know God's word. And um, you're walking that walk pretty hard. And so I really appreciate you and that. And I'm grateful for your presence on our team and your presence within the church. There was so much really good stuff that you said within that. One thing I wanted to point out in case someone didn't catch what a position paper is, we will be using Table Talk Thursdays to kind of uh, talk about what these are, but a position paper is to take some of the hot button items that are, are going on in our community and the teaching pastors are gonna get together and, and present uh, a biblical position for Life Church Canton based on the, the covenant the Evangelical Covenant Church, our own work, and then we'll run it through our staff and leadership team. Uh, and then we'll present it and probably have a Table Talk Thursday um, where we talk through what it is and answer questions. But that serves as a place for people to understand where we stand, to get ahead of, of confusion and to help us as we continue to hire people or raise up leaders onto the leadership team, uh, such as Richard. And so that's kind of something that's going on. We hope to have ours first um, papers done uh, first of probably many done um, within the next month or so. So we're we'll looking forward to that. But yeah. yeah. Any no, follow-up questions for him? And he, yeah, he just I mean, laid I out think, a sermon today. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think one of the things that I, I, I think um, churches nowadays are missing um, and, and in my old context wasn't that missing, but in, in sort of, different context it is is the um this sounds well let me not disclaimer it but it is the sense of having the church be mindful to pray for their pastors um and and i and i mean that not from the perspective of you know praying that they're happy or whatever i mean that from the perspective of praying rather than because because it's easy for churches and congregations to say hey pastor you're not doing this right and to be honest, if we're candid, you know, whatever whatever leadership position you may be in life, it doesn't have to be ministry. You probably get more complaints than you do commendations. Um, that's just the nature, right? You know, people tend to speak up more when they're hurt or offended than they are when they're blessed by something you may do. Um, now, I will say this: I'm I'm super thankful for Life Church Canton because uh, there is there are people who will reach out and just tell you thank you for that and you didn't even know you were a blessing to them so this is not an indictment on Canton but I think one of the things that endeared me to uh, Richard from day one uh, sure we have some some very similar doctrinal stances on things and we have some connections there but I think the biggest thing was his heart to literally check on pastors and see how we're doing um, and not from a superficial hey you know how's your day but hey how's your soul today 
hey, here's a passage that that reminded me of you. And um, and brother, I don't know if I get to tell you that often, but that is a spring to my soul um, in many days. Um, and so I, I just thank you for that. Those those seemingly little things are helpful. They recalibrate a man's heart to God. Uh, and remind him that uh, even if you have a Jeremiah ministry, God is still listening. And there's uh, the audience that we care about the most should be the audience of one. Um, and, and you know, it's it's super thankful for that. And um, especially as I'm, and I'll talk about this later, as I'm considering um, suing Liberty University for my degree right now. Um, <laughs> but I'll leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> so the look on Nathan's face is good enough and we can chat about that a little later but I thank you my point is I thank you brother for um just caring for uh those of us who spend most of our time caring for others and it, it definitely blesses my soul and so I don't want to speak for the rest of the brothers but I assume it's similar so yeah I would just add I'm, I'm grateful for your uh acknowledgement of humility in the process and knowing how that can feel like it rubs against your personality. Um, but I think the thing that I take away the most um, in what you said, and I'm not going to get the words just right, but um, remembering not to disparage those who are um, maybe afraid or have some concerns about things uh, or to not look down on them. That's what you said. Um, and so I, I appreciate that encouragement because um, in, and my introvert self, I'm I'm very much like, well, why why wouldn't everybody just think like me? Why wouldn't everybody believe like me and believe that I how I want my time to look should be how everybody believes it should look, you know? And they should just adjust to that. Um, and so that can trickle into all of uh, the other facets of life too, in terms of worldviews and biblical views and um, and views during COVID. And so I appreciate the encouragement from you and. The, the wrestling that you're having to do to, to remember uh, people think differently. If people have a fearful mindset, a worried mindset to not look down on them, but actually to, um, to increase in my love and humility in that process. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, brother, it's been a joy having you now our next segment, which you're not part of, but I want to quickly say this out loud is we're going to talk a little bit about attributes. So tell us your favorite three attributes of God, and then we will bid you adieu. Uh, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> what was that? Almighty. Holy squared? <laughs> Cubed. Right, three of them, right? Holy cubes. So, All right, sweet. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, we appreciate that. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, brother. We love you. And thank you so much for uh, being who you are in God. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Talk to you soon. I love that picture. It's a super sweet picture. All right, cool. Are you still on, brother? He's still on. He's got to log out. <laughs> yeah, just, I got you. His face is there. He goes. That's so much better, though. That was that was a good. It's little... still there. I still see it. Do you see it? <laughs> no, it's gone. Uh, is it on no your worries. end? Okay, we it's can still see on mine. It. They can't see it. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, they can't. They okay. can't see it on Facebook Live, but we can see okay, it cool. now. Okay, cool. So if I stay where you are, finally picture of Richard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you were. But no, that I mean, he's he's uh, he's just a refreshing brother, man. Um, you know, it's just it's sweet to have him uh, in the body, period, let alone, you know, being part of the leadership team. So I'm thankful for that. And 
super thankful for him. Um, yeah. Um, so we're talking about the attributes of God and, uh, yeah. So, so my little tidbit, my little offhand tidbit about Liberty is because of what's going on. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what's going on in the news and I don't yeah. want to get into it, but you know, you, you do want to get a refund on your, on your degree if you went there at this point. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. I, uh, that's that's a bummer. I've had a lot of people go to Liberty, um, and I forgot that you did as well. Mm, I mean, yeah, it doesn't change oh, well, good, my opinion good. about there, you at keep, all. Keep keep thinking that. Keep thinking that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I wish I had one of those Men in Black lights that I could just go ahead and flash it at you right now and just remove that from your memory. Yeah, so right. what I was saying was that in Christ we have liberty. That's what I was saying. Oh, wow, so I yeah. need you guys to remember that that in Christ there's liberty. So as we talk about the attributes right. of God. <laughs> As we talk about the attributes of God, I do want to first define attributes just for people who are uh, not familiar um, with that term. Uh, when we talk about the attributes of God, we essentially are referring to qualities that describe God or, or better yet, the characteristics of God, and especially those that are revealed in Scripture. Uh, so there are so many types of attributes like the fact that his eternality, right? God is eternal or his graciousness or his omnipotence, what they call the omnis of God, the omnipresence and omnipotence and omnibenevolence of God uh, and omniscience of God. So all those things, the power of God, that he's all powerful. Uh, you've heard me say this before, the immutability of God, that he doesn't change and the justice of God, that he is a just God and even mercy as Pastor Jared preached on that a couple of weeks ago. And so I I think those are important parts of who God is, and those are attributes that um, are part and parcel of his character, and they don't change. Uh, and now also in theology, we have a subsect of that, which is what are called communicable and then incommunicable attributes, right? So those are things that um, we as human beings, as reflections of God, we share in like justice, uh, but we don't share in God's omniscience, right? We're not omniscient. We don't know everything, but we do share in his justice, his mercy. Uh, and so as we even talk about sticking to the gospel and as we sort of start to conclude this series, it's a good reminder that part of sticking to the gospel is emulating God as much as we can, his love, his mercy, his justice, his goodness, all of those things that he has communicated to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, um, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we'll, I'll start with Pastor Jerry, brother. What is? What are your three favorite attributes of our God? Hey, you can yeah. make up. You can, can make we do up words one too. at a time? Yeah, let's do one at a like, time. Sure. Let's do one. Sure. Yeah, because someone's gonna get in there and get all the good ones. Sorry, they're all equal. They're all equally good. Yeah. Okay. I like talking about it. Good. Let's go with your top one. Top one. Top one. Top one. Um. Oh man, I didn't. I guess I didn't order them. But the one that I was going to say first, I'm not necessarily saying this is my top one. This is your top one. The one I wanted. The one that I want to say was uh, goodness. His goodness. Um, which I've also seen. Uh, is another word long suffering. Um, and, and I like this idea because it's an area in which I so greatly lack <laughs> in, really? okay. in, term, in terms of, um, just trying, trying so hard to see the bigger picture that his goodness, his, uh, long suffering, that's it's, there's just, uh, there's a process to this. It, things are unfolding. And, and I think especially, the fact that I have been bathed in, bred in a culture of instant gratification, mm, I need mm. it now, um, mm. is so uh, 
counterproductive to the character of God, to the attribute of God, of his goodness, his long suffering. Um, and, and so we, in our culture, we just don't, we don't get that. We don't get the long game. And um, I mean, we were just, we had to replace all of our kitchen appliances cause they were all shot. And, uh, and we had to get a plumber to come in and specifically take care of something and an electrician to take care of something because the older appliances were so old that they weren't up to code in terms of the connections. And so we had to readjust the connection. So we went without a dishwasher for what, yeah. two days. And my, uh, <laughs> First world problems. Oh my gosh, first world problems. My American self was so concerned that I had to wash dishes by hand. Now, here's the thing. I didn't have a dishwasher, an electric dishwasher, um, until I got to college. Like, we grew up washing dishes by hand um, in my family. And, and it was, uh, I was one of six uh, people in my family. I had three older sisters. And so that's all I ever knew. But how quickly I adjust to to the culture that i live and breathe uh, that i become so used to instant gratification and so used to um i need this done now and i need it done quickly and efficiently and um and then when i project that onto my relationship with god and onto god in god's self and himself um man that 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 means I need a lot of work in terms of my yeah. perspective of who God is. Yeah. And so I, I need the goodness of God, the long suffering of God, his, his um, steadfastness. Hmm. Uh, so that's, that's what I would say is, is yeah. one of my favorites. I mean, you know, a wise man, you know, remembered a word from first year Hebrew, Hesed. That's, that's mm. it. That's yep. that loyal love of God and that steadfast love of God. So yep. yeah. Amen. It, and you know, in Greek, I love the Greek form of it. What is it? Microthume. It's like this long spiritedness. I love it. I just yep. love it of God. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So, yeah. Good. Fascinating. What you got for us? What you got? Since you was worried uh, about think... somebody taking the best ones. <laughs> what you, what, what you got? My favorite is how, uh, the, how God is infinite. Uh, he's mm. big. He's uncreated. He's the uncreated one who was and is and is to come. And, and how he defined himself to Moses, which uh, Hebrew does so much a better job of conveying it than English. But he says, I am. I am that I am. Who should I tell that's, call, that's, that's sending me? He says, I am. But in, in that phrase, uh, which Jesus used artfully later to really make some people angry, um, he says, I am that I am. I was, I am, and I will be. It's like declaring yeah. his timelessness, his infinitude. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, Colossians says, uh, he is before all things. And in, all, in him, all things hold together. I remember in um, sixth grade, and I, I know this is way more, um, it's way bigger than this, but we were talking about the structure of an atom and how you have these electrons and nucleus and you have all these things flowing together. And they're like, well, there's something that holds it together. We don't know what that is. And when I was even in sixth grade, I remember thinking, well, I do. All things are held together in God. So yes, there's probably some point or maybe since then has been a way where they've been able to define what holds that together. Um, but, but for me, it's the answer is always, well, of course it's God. He is, I love how infinite, he's not just infinite, he's timeless. There's something so big about him. And when I think about that, that really, um, kind of like what Richard was saying earlier, when I really focus on the attributes of God or who he is or what he does, I realize that my narrow mindedness or my, uh, tunnel vision or my group think, 
um, really keeps me from understanding uh, what my role is and, and who God is. So God is infinite and it is just a beautiful thing. I think it sets it up for us to um, trust him um, and to say, I, I am small and to know my real place in that. Uh, and I, I love that characteristic, the attribute of God that he, he was uncreated, that he is and will be in these He's outside of time and in it at the same time. It's just, he can't be contained by anything that we can even grasp because he created it and it comes from within him. It's a beautiful thing. And a completely side note, I didn't have a dishwasher to like our second house either. So, uh, and then, and then uh, I have a, uh, a, a certain individual who comes and visits our house and is grateful to help, but they don't use the dishwasher, which I find even more annoying. Like, there's a dishwasher right there. Are you stacking dishes everywhere and washing them by hand? There's a dishwasher right there. But uh, that's just a completely random thought I had while you were talking. Well, no, I mean, I grew up, we washed our dishes by hand as well. We had our maid do it. And um, so that was, I'm joking. I joke. I joke. I joke. Wow. I joke. No, my dad actually was did decent in Nigeria, man. We did have a driver and a maid for some years. That was kind of fun. Uh, but anyway. Um, no, I, uh, mine is actually similar to yours, Pastor Nathan. It's, um, the, <clears throat> I think the sort of the term that theologians call it is the aseity of God, right? That he's self-existent. He exists in himself. And similarly to you, that sort of really finds its, um, most, um, most, uh, obvious expression in, in, uh, Exodus 34, where, he says, who will, who will you say, you know, who will I say sent me? Right. And, and the reply is a year, I share a year, which means I am who I am. And the self-existence of God that he doesn't need anything. Um, <clears throat> which is why, you know, you, you know, if you've ever heard me um, or you've caught this, you'd see when people say God needs something, I say, nah, that's a creature word. You, God doesn't need anything. He needs nothing. He's self-existent. He doesn't, you may say God wants because, you know, you can use those terms, but God has no needs. Um, and that is a very uh, liberating thing, um, especially in the area where we are filled with all kinds of needs. And I find myself needing, wanting certain things. Um, and so I, I, yeah, that for me, is one of the most um, and I think that connects to his holiness, right? Because he's set apart in that, in that he's set apart in all of these attributes. And so God yeah. is, is self-existent like nobody else. He's alien to us. He is beyond us, which kind of like in, you know, in your sermon recently, you mentioned, um, how that's the beauty of the fact that that holy separate self-existent needing nothing. God says, let me have fellowship with you. Um, that to me is humbling. It provides a biblically centered pride. What I mean by that is a, not a human pride, but a pride in the fact that God has fearfully and wonderfully made me um, and that I am an image bearer of God and that I need nobody else to affirm that but God. Uh, and so it's always good because then again, back to what we said earlier, you're before this audience of one this God who is the only one that we will, like Hebrew says, he's the only one that we have to do. In other words, the only one that we have to give an account to fully and truly. So that would be mine, the aseity of God, that he is, he is, uh, he exists within himself. He is sufficient for himself. He needs nothing. 
um, especially the triune intra, uh, intra-Trinitarian love that they share um, is beyond anything that we've ever experienced. And so to be called into that is just a joy that God would have us even be in that. So, yeah. So what's number two for you, Pastor Jared? Number two is mystery. God is mystery. Ooh. Ooh. Um, yeah. And part of that is because... Right. Um, so my, my first class and first book at seminary um, was Karl Barth. And so he says, God is ultimate mystery. And so mm. uh, that was a, that was a huge, like giant door that opened in my journey in seminary of like, man, this just takes off a whole lot of pressure. And I've always heard, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Um, but then to read about that from a scholarly academic theological perspective, um, it was like this huge weight lifted because I felt growing up in a very, um, uh, evangelistic, uh, more evangelicalism. And that's probably another topic for another day. Um, is this pressure, like you've got work to do and you better do it and you better do it right. Um, and you better explain things and you better defend things. And, uh, there was a huge emphasis on apologetics and that's good and, and right. And there's reasons for that. And, what it did though, in my mind and my heart is put this unnecessary pressure on me that I had to defend God, mm, um, mm. not necessarily uh, defend faith, uh, but defend God. And in the presence of, um, you know, agnostics and atheists and postmodern thinking and, and like there was this, there was this intense pressure that I put on myself uh, to have to be able to explain everything. And um and convince people. And so I, I actually fell in love with the beauty of the mystery of who God is that I just, mm. I'm not going to be able to contain it all. Mm. Uh, my, my little brain just will not be able to, yeah. Yeah. um, no matter how many books I read, no matter how many classes I audit or take or whatever, I just can't do it. And so, yeah. um, so I take comfort in that. Um, and I, I, uh, I like the word you use, Daniel. Like I, I feel liberated from this pressure um, because God doesn't need me to defend Him, mm-hmm. um, and and there is uh, there's beauty in just the nuance. And I'm I'm okay with nuance. I'm okay yeah. with mystery. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people in our culture. Again, talking about culture, uh, we have a lot of people that live in black and white and want answers and they want things to be clear. And I'm, I'm just okay with things being not so clear all the time. Yeah. Um, so that's what I like about God. Yeah, I think there's two things that you said that kind of stands out is um, I love how Spurgeon, in speaking about the Bible uh, and, and perhaps about God as well, uh, says, I need not defend the Bible like you need not defend a lion. You just simply unleash the lion and let it go. And I think there is a sense in some apologetic stances that you want to defend God. Um, and, um, I think there's clarity that's needed and, and, you know, to talk about things, but I think it's helpful. But I think the second thing that stuck out to me was, um, I remember reading, uh, is it knowledge of the Holy, I think by A.W. Tozer. And I feel like the first couple of paragraphs got me stuck there for a few days. He was just talking about the eternality of God and how he's beyond our comprehension and how before eternity God existed, like try to wrap your mind around that. Um, and that reminded me of the mystery of who God is and how it's okay that there's parts of him that we will never fully understand because he's infinite. Like 
like Nathan said earlier. So yeah, amen, amen. Pastor Nathan, what you got for us? Uh, I'm just gonna keep moving forward. I, for me, I have to do things in progression. So I, I have my three progress, progress. But as a God is infinite, He's holy and and good, and we, we as fallen human beings have fallen away from that. But my second would be that that God is mercy. He's merciful. I think of Romans nine fifteen when he's talking about. I'm I'm obsessed with Moses lately. Maybe it's because we're you know COVID. I'm I'm saying that that's the uh, that's the uh, you know the desert that we're in. We're trying to lead through that. I'm trying to learn from Moses and how he led, um, mm. and how to make sure that when we come back together, we don't miss our moment and go back into the desert for forty years. Um, okay, don't miss your moment. That's a side. That's a side. Okay, sorry. Uh, that might preach, brother. That might preach. <laughs> Oh, it it go preach. You're gonna hear it someday. Uh, but but Romans is referring back to um, scripture, and he says in nine, um, "What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at mm. all." And he's talking about how God chose different people in succession. But verse fifteen says, "For he says to Moses, he's throwing back, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have com- on compassion on whom I have compassion." It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. So there's almost this mystery. There's almost this infinitude, this this hugeness of God. And then there's also this very personal mercy that God yeah. has extended to us. That, that, that God, a universe, would look at me and have mercy on me. Me? Like, when you really, if you could really fathom just how many people are alive on the planet right now, Right? And that God of the universe who one planet, one small thing, he's saying, no, I'm going to have mercy on Nathan. I'm going to have mercy on him. It, it again, it, in my mind, especially with this uh, verse, reinforces the uh, power and, of God and that he is in control as well as his grace, his mercy towards me, not giving me what I deserve, um, not um, punishing me for my sins, but instead punishing his son, Jesus on my behalf. That's mercy. Uh, Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And what I deserve is death and hell and separation from God. I, what I deserve is to, to constantly feel like I have separated myself from God. So I deserve to feel that for all eternity, but, Mm. but for Jesus and God's mercy, um, I am not given what I deserve. So I'm focusing specifically on not receiving what I deserve uh, on the what I have what I have wrought the the consequences for my brokenness I am not receiving that uh, because of God and his mercy side sidebar joke Richard asked is Nathan becoming reformed um, <laughs> sidebar joke <laughs> I think I think it's you don't have to respond reformed, to that <laughs> no no I will the reformed, the reformed are becoming Nathan. They're they're a precursor to Nathan. Okay. Uh, no, I, not at okay. all. I am not a theologian. No, okay. no. If anyone's gonna if anyone's gonna write a theology, it'll be you, Daniel. I would say that uh, for me, my, I have been exposed to so many different approaches to this as part of my journey um, that I I find so much joy. And I would be ref- I would be like straight Calvinist if not for the Wesleyan tra- tradition. Um, so the total depravity I get, and then well, we could get into a huge discussion about the journey that I've been on. Um, but ultimately, what it comes down abort, to abort, I, abort, abort, let it go. No, I'm not aborting. I'm not aborting. <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying is, 
ultimately, we all should have these moments where we, com we, we completely are in awe of who um, God is. And mm -hmm. that's what binds mm -hmm. us together. And we start sounding like each other because we're talking about who God is instead of you know, human things. So hopefully yeah, I dug, dug some steps in the hole. No, brother, that's out. perfect. We'll I mean, like we should, we should. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I'm not assuming that we'll ever get there on the side of salvation, but we ought to be growing as we are growing in Christ to sound more like each other because we're talking about the same God. Um, and, right. and it may be different aspects of him. So the, the second one for me would, is actually tied into the, third one, so I'll kind of wedge those together, is the sovereignty and the providence of God. I see the sovereignty as more of the what and the providence as the how, how he sort of works it all out um, towards his goal, right? So providence having to do from the word uh, providate to forward see or to provide in advance, right? That's that sense of sort of working things out. But providentially, when we talk about it, we talk about how God goes about through time, through space, through humans to work out his perfect sovereign will. And so when I look at that, I think the biggest thing that has given me probably the best for last is in my case, that has given me so much peace in this season um, of uncertainty mm -hmm. is that God has sovereign. Um, and he and he is working all things out to, you know, Romans 828, right, talks about how he works all things, not just good and bad, but all things. In fact, literally, if you kind of break it out in the Greek, it says he causes all things. Uh, that word causes is the word, I think, in argon, which means to empower. He sort of employs all things to work to good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And I love that because that reminds me um, that COVID didn't catch God by surprise. Um, that uh, none of the things I've been through in my life, all the traumas, all the pains, the sufferings, self-inflicted and also inflicted by others have not caught God by surprise. And that in his wonderful providential wisdom, he's using every one of those things to work me out to look more like Christ. That's kind of what you see in, in, in Romans 8. It's a great passage to read. So I think I, I know as a preacher, I can't help but use this as a preachable moment to say it doesn't matter what you're going through. God is not shocked or surprised and that he will use every single thing from the rooter to the tutor every bad part every good part he will use all of that to make you look more like christ and that is a sort of peaceful moment like anything else um, so those for me the providence of god and the sovereignty of god are just important every time but especially in this season so what's your third one pastor Jared? all right i'll try to go quick because i know we're running out of time i don't know how we get out of this conversation without not mentioning love um <laughs> I don't, yes, I, I don't know. How you, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be cliche, but I just, it's, uh, it's, it's gotta be uh, at the foundation of, of who I am um, and, and who, who God is. And, and just the fact that these are the two most important commandments for Jesus is to love God, to love mm. others, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. Um, so I, I feel uh, obligated in, in all the right ways to make sure that this is mentioned and, and, um, Absolutely. There, I mean, there's more there. I, I wanted to talk about the mission of God as well too, but um, mm. yeah, I, I, I love has to propel me uh, in everything and every relationship. Um, so I'll keep it at that because I know we're running out of time, but the love of yeah. God. Cool. Yeah. My, my third is the love of God as well. Uh, I'll just add by reading from first John beloved, let us love one another. From love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Hmm. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is, is love. love. Yeah. Amen. Well, amen, brothers. Um, yeah, the the love of God, the agape of God. Um, I think that's awesome. And um, and it, yeah, it. I, that you left those on a big one, brother. We we could unpack that <laughs> so right. much. The love of God for Himself <laughs> for us, uh, for each other. But anyway, um, we I know we've covered love in many series, so our our folks aren't uh, aren't uh, in the dirt of of understanding love. So go check out our website and look at any of those past sermons, whether it's Family Matter series or any other series we've, we've talked about love. In fact, there was a couple of sermons, I think from Pastor Nathan and me and Pastor Jared on love um, that have been unique because they capture different sort of parts of God's prism of love. So folks check those out. Um, we wanted, we wish we had enough time. We wanted to hear from you guys on your attributes of God. You can feel free to share that and send that to me as we round down on the frequency of table talk. But um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys on what your attributes are. You can still comment on here. That's great. Uh, on what your favorite attributes of God are. Um, and we'd love to hear that. And all things being said, I want to say this because I think Pastor Nathan said, uh, Pastor Jared said this well, um, none of these attributes or none of these theological uh, doctrines are meant to say that we fully understand God. And there is a mystery to God that I think is healthy. Um, and so I would read this passage and I will bid you guys adieu. Um, here is 1 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verse 16. Um, and it says here, by common confession, Great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on earth, and then taken into heaven. So he speaks about just the mystery of God. God is just mysterious, and, and that means that he is beyond comprehension. Um, but he has also seen fit to reveal parts of himself to us. And so we cherish that, that that sovereign universal God in the words of Pastor Nathan, that the God of the universe would bid me to come and commune with him should humble me and should cause me to invite other people into that relationship. And that's what we're yeah. doing on Sunday with new life, celebrating that new relationship. Yeah. So come on down, celebrate with us, enjoy the mystery <laughs> of God together. And we will see you guys soon. Uh, God bless.